0: Hey, and good morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. Coming up this hour, we've got a busy show lined up. We'll hear from the Manhattan Convention and Visitors Bureau, Karen Hibbard. We'll stop by. We'll also hear from Riley Mayor Tim Sharp and uh, Julie Gibbs, Riley County Health Department Director, along with Deb Nuss from the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition a little bit later on as well. But we start things off first with Greg Istone, who is joining us here from the Riley County Extension Office. He's the uh, horticulture agent here for Riley County. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Brandon. How are you feeling on this April Fool's Day?
1: <laughs> well, nobody's fooled me, so I guess I'm doing okay so far. I hope the weather forecast isn't fooling us because uh, we need some moisture. Yes. And uh, I did bring you our rain gauge. We got a supply in, and uh, hopefully that will get filled up. It only holds two inches, and people say that doesn't hold very much, but I say if it's uh, overflowing, then you're done for irrigating, so don't worry about uh, adding it ain't anymore so if anybody wants to come by the extension office there in the riley county office building second floor pick up a free rain gauge and uh, we'll see if they work so far this year they haven't been uh, doing very well
0: well and uh where's the proper place to place is just right in your out in the open or
1: yeah you know away from the buildings, something so that gets kind of the the real average rainfall and uh you might get some in the front and in the back maybe a little bit different so maybe you want two of them
0: All right. Well, that'd be cool. And yeah, it has been dry and we have seen a little bit of moisture here. So luckily the drought in this part of the state is not as bad, but um, other parts of the state can't say the same thing.
1: That's right. So we hope, uh, cross our fingers that we get some moisture this uh, tonight, uh, early morning and uh, throughout the rest of the spring too, because we've been dry. Uh, You you mentioned April Fool's Day, April 1st, and that's kind of when I think about uh, starting up the lawnmower. Uh, typically, that around this time of the year, as uh, the grass is greened up, uh, mine's a little bit behind. It uh, doesn't need mowed quite yet, but uh, usually, that first mowing, uh, you may want to set your mower down a little bit shorter than normal. That uh, just will kind of chop up and remove some of that uh, brown tissue there, and so it'll green up a little bit faster as well. If that's something you're you're wanting to do, but then after that, uh, I really recommend staying in our ranges for. Uh, our grasses so we're talking cool season grasses right now we have warm season which won't start to green up for another month but uh, if you have tall fescue most of us do and maybe some bluegrass out there um, go ahead and keep that in the, the regular range for tall fescue maybe three and a half inches which some people um like to mow it a little shorter than that, and you can, but uh, the more leaf tissue there, the more opportunity for that plant to be strong and vigorous. And uh, the other reason I don't recommend uh, mowing too short at this time of year is to that start of the, the, the crabgrass and foxtail are annual weeds, weed grasses that we don't like to have people will be thinking about putting down pre-emergence to keep those weed seeds from forming and growing. And, uh, that's something that usually happens around mid April, but, uh, like my lawn's not growing quite yet. So it may be to extend that a little bit later out. So we know scientifically that when the soil temperature gets 55 degrees, then uh, those weed seeds will start to, to sprout. Um, but uh, oftentimes we, we forget about the other side of the window or the end of it. We get a lot of growth in later spring. And so if your product that you put down early, too early, let's say, has, has kind of fizzled out and then you get your, your weed competition later on in the season. So there's a little bit of a challenge of when to apply that. Uh, I wouldn't do it yet, but uh, we got a window of opportunity to do that. Probably 1st of May may be a good time this time of the year.
0: Does grass grow any slower here at the beginning of the season than it does maybe later on?
1: Yeah, so our cool season grasses like the cool weather. And so when it's in the 60s or 70s, it's really happy. Once it starts to get in the 80s, it'll slow down. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, summertime, our our cool season grasses basically are just there. Uh, We can cool them by watering, irrigating quite a bit. Um, That's a personal choice whether you want to spend the resources on that. But um, yeah, once we get in the 60s, 70s, those grasses will grow pretty good. Uh, we used to fertilize in the springtime, um, and <laughs> that really triggered growth, and that wasn't necessarily healthy growth, and so a lot of our fertilizer recommendations for our cool season grasses really targets uh, the fall season, and that seems to build healthier plants and not just rapid growth. All right. You want to make sure you have a sharp blade, too, as we do this uh, mowing season. About every 10 hours, you need to at least check your, your blade, if not sharpen it. Uh, we want to be cutting those leaf leaves instead of ripping them off as the blade gets dull. And Occasionally, you hit a stick or a rock or something like that, and then again, you need to check your blade to make sure you're, you're doing a good job at, at the cutting aspect of it.
0: And you say every 10 hours, huh?
1: That's that's a ballpark, you okay. know. Um, so. Most people, I know one person, maybe a relative who's never sharpened his blade, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's probably not preferred.
0: Okay. Good, good to note there. And that's, that's probably about, you know, it takes you about a half hour, 45 minutes to mow your lawn, you know, maybe after 10 mowings and then go change your blade. Yeah.
1: And and whether you want to do that yourself, uh, you know, you can use a file, you can use a a tool that uh, sharpens it. Uh, You want to have a balanced blade. So if you take too much, uh, off of one side, you need to kind of balance that blade, taking more off the other side so it doesn't damage your, your mower. And of course there's, uh, places you can take it to have it sharpened.
0: All right. Uh, you have your notes, your, uh, transplants, uh, solution. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what that entails. So, you
1: know, we're in the, the gardening season. You can start planting some of your seeds and, uh, you're probably looking at planting some of our transplants like broccoli and cabbage, um, and typically our soils do have phosphorus in them, but when it's cold out, the uh, soil is still cold, the roots aren't real vigorous yet, and it's probably suggested that uh, you use a phosphorus uh, transplant solution, so get a little bit of phosphorus fertilizer. If it's a granular, you just sit it in the water for a few hours to dissolve, or you can get liquids, of course, and it doesn't take very much. Uh, we, the suggestion is about a cup of that solution at planting so if you get you a broccoli plant put it in the ground when you push the soil around it you might water it in with a little bit of this uh, fertilizer solution it's just to keep that plant growing vegetables are a little bit different than a lot of our plants that we grow we're really speed or time is is important for vegetables we don't want any setback so to speak and so uh, we want proper temperatures that's one of the biggest keys so um it is close uh, to planting of these crops Uh, depends on our our weather you know this morning 27 degrees that really slows down the warming of the soil but uh, as you get these plants in the ground we want to keep them moist uh, keep them fertilized if needed so that they grow fairly rapid kansas seems to have some erratic weather which causes challenges we have some insect pressures we have all these things going on so vegetables kind of a race to get it started get it growing get it harvested without uh, too much delay in between times and you know people always want to plant a tomato something like that but that really takes a warm temperature so we're talking at least uh may if not uh, middle of may for planting those type of crops for sure
0: all right yeah good Good point there, because uh, you never know when the, the last freeze is going to be here. It could be any, any time in April, really.
1: That's that's true. You know, we have statistics on when that happens, but uh, it varies from season to season. So we have history, but we don't know the future. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I know you have a number of activities coming up here. April's a busy month for you.
1: It is. Uh, just one little quick reminder for 4-Hers. We are doing a plant propagation uh, session tomorrow morning. Uh, at 10 a.m. So if you haven't signed up for that, uh, you can still show up. We'll be at the UFM greenhouse at 10 a.m. That's targeted for 4-H youth that are enrolled in our plant science projects, but uh, they're going to do some, take some cuttings and get some plants rooted so that hopefully they can take those to the fair. Meanwhile, uh, the master gardeners will be at the farmer's market uh, tomorrow morning from nine to noon, and uh, they'll be answering gardening questions, They also have our pollinator seed packets to hand out. If you're interested in creating some habitat for our pollinators, we have a a local seed packet uh, that should work for our environment and those would need to be planted probably right away. It's a a mixture, so it'll be kind of a a wild looking spot that you plant these in, but uh, hopefully we'll help uh, our pollinators uh, continue to grow and survive. Also kind of related to that on April 6th, that's Wednesday, we have our online K-State Garden Hour program and it is on that particular topic, pollinator plants. And so um, sign up for that. It's a Zoom type of meeting. Uh, Just go ahead and register at K-State Garden Hour and uh, either you can participate live if that works out for you or it'll be recorded. Uh, Even if you don't get registered, the recordings go up, uh, but the registration gives you a reminder to go and and view that. And so, again, that's uh, this coming Wednesday, April 6th, from noon to 1, and that's the online session. The Master Gardeners will be at the zoo for their Earth Day activity, and that's on Saturday, April 23rd, noon to 4, about those time frames we're uh, back in person I think uh, last year I think we handed out uh, bags of information but I think this year we're planning to be full full blown on many activities uh, typically we have some pollinator or excuse me butterfly plants like butterfly milkweed that we hand out uh, again to encourage habitat for our Our other environment, uh, maybe not uh, the one necessarily we like to see or beautification, but for all those other activities, organisms that are out there. So that's on uh, Saturday, April 23rd, the Earth Day. Also coming up will be the Run for the Roses, the KSU Gardens uh, fundraiser, and that's on Saturday, April 30th in the morning. And uh, Master Gardeners and myself will be there with the booth for information as far as We'll have something on roses. Roses uh, kind of taking a hit uh, in this area with uh, some disease and insect pressures. But some of us, like myself, still like to grow roses. So we'll be there to answer gardening questions for those that uh, either are coming out to support the runners. Or if you're a runner or a walker, be there uh, uh, that Saturday morning. And uh, one other thing to put on your calendar for coming up is our garden tour. And that will be on Saturday, June 25th eight to noon we'll hope for great weather and uh, we'll run that pretty much like last year and uh doing it on a saturday morning we seem to have had good turnout maybe a little bit cooler a little later in the season so hopefully we have some more of our annual flowers uh, there for show and uh really uh hope people can come out for that event
0: do you need people to register for that or
1: that is uh no uh, last year uh we went with donations to kind of reduce uh people contacts and that worked well enough that uh, we'll just ask for donations uh, to participate in that so uh, don't have to sell a ticket don't have to register just uh, show up we just we hope there will be nice weather so that uh, people are encouraged to come out we've uh, done this for 30 plus years um, and one of our highest turnouts was uh, when we had 105 degree weather um, so weather doesn't always play a factor in your participation but uh, we we always want to be comfortable and hope for nice weather on that day.
0: All right. Well, this is my favorite time of year when the weather starts turning to springtime. So April to June is about prime time, I think.
1: We st- see a lot of changes in our environments, our landscapes. Plants really start to pop and can grow pretty quickly. And so it's it's, a, it's an exciting time for us gardeners. Uh, a little bit of work to get done, but uh, that's part of the, the enjoyment of being a gardener.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, good to talk to you again. And uh, we'll... And see you real soon, I guess. I appreciate that, Brandon. People can always reach out to us. Be glad to help. All right. Sounds good. Stay tuned. More In Focus continues in a moment. We'll hear from Karen Hibbard up next. Welcome into In Focus here, News Radio KMAN. We're talking today with Karen Hibbard, Executive Director of the Manhattan Convention and Visitors Bureau. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Brandon. It is April. No <laughs> fooling. It is <laughs> April.
0: <laughs> That's right. You're. Not going to be uh, fooling us with anything here today. I'm not
2: going to be fooling you, but boy, the temptation is pretty great in which <laughs> today that's one of my favorite days.
0: <laughs> it certainly is uh, a good one here. And, you know, before we get into what's going on in April, you had a really neat event going on yesterday in Olathe.
2: We did. We did. You know, we have um, talked about this and, and now it has happened and we are excited to share with you uh, about our O Manhattan Roadshow Show where we actually took Manhattan and our partners on the road. We were at the KSU Olathe campus, and we had meeting planners join us. Uh, they were uh, greeted with uh, attractions. They actually were g- greeted by a great car provided by the Midwest Dream Car Collection that uh, welcomed uh, our attendees into the facility. We had a musician from Kansas State, a student that is uh, a senior In studying music competition that provided background music. And then as you came on into the facility, uh, you saw all the things that make Manhattan unique. We took our meeting venues, our attractions, our things that make Manhattan a great place to meet at, to Olathe, and had that opportunity to meet with meeting planners. Some of them are very familiar with Manhattan some of them were not. So it was a great day in which we could have this come and go event for people to come and learn more about meetings. You might wonder, so what does a meeting do for Manhattan? Well, as meetings are held in Manhattan, uh, it has a huge economic impact on our community. I, I brought some data with us today for us to review and just wanted to remind people there are a lot of meetings that happen that, uh, our Visit Manhattan might not be involved with. But I brought to you today what uh, those meetings are, what they look like that we are involved with. And I'm going to take us back to 2018. In 2018, we worked with 189 meetings that met throughout the year in a variety of places across our community. And that estimated impact that those meetings brought to our community was over $27 million dollars. Pretty significant. 2019 we worked with 240 meetings, and again, that had a huge economic impact on our on our community. Not quite so much. That had an estimated economic impact of only $18 million. And some of that was the kind of meeting, the length of time, but my point is meetings matter in our community. Then remember 2020, what hit? We were off and rolling, and then the world came to a close. So talk about the economic impact meetings have on our community. In 2020, we only worked with 58 meetings throughout that year. That only had a $4 million impact, and, and we really want that to just be a distant memory of uh, when we can't gather together to learn to, um, to better ourselves from those meetings. But 2021, uh, now what we're beginning to see is a mix of those meetings. In 2021, we hosted 130 meetings, had about an $8 million impact on our community. And to date, through the end of March, we have hosted and worked with 31 different meetings, already having a $3 million impact on our community. So as our listeners are listening to this, conversation, they might be thinking, so Karen, that's good and fine. I'm, Im-, I'm involved in an organization. Tell me how Visit Manhattan can work with us. Well, we're here to help you. We're here to be your liaison. As your organization might be considering Manhattan, what we can do is we can put together, we'll put together bid proposals from the hotels so that you can see availability, what the cost would be involved, how many uh, sleeping rooms you might need, what your meeting space would uh, be like. We generate and get those bid proposals put together for you. We encourage you to do a site visit so you can envision which property works the best for you, which one of those meeting spaces accommodates your needs the best. Our, our team also puts together welcome packets for the meeting once it is here and is happening We provide name tags. All of that is complimentary. We can arrange for welcome speeches. Many groups like to be welcomed by our mayor or a city official. And so that's a wonderful way for the community, our community, to understand we've got visitors that are coming into the community and need to know that we're glad that they are here. We can arrange for a presentation of colors. Many times that is done by the Riley County Police. might be d- done by our fire department. Um, it could be done by Fort Riley. Uh, we even have Boy Scouts that uh, always are eager to have that opportunity to display the colors. We also provide uh, an informational display on Manhattan, as well as uh, if you are at our conference center, we have charging stations there for we're so dependent on our phones and phones being fully charged, and that charging station uh, works well. And then we help tell the word about groups that are meeting in Manhattan. So, again, it's very important for us to hold meetings in our community. So as we hosted our road show, our meeting planners yesterday took away with them multiple uh, pieces of information about our hospitality communing community, with that being lodging, attractions, and unique venues that they might experience when they are here. But we also provided them a meeting planner guide, as well as information about our community that is a resource for them. So we look forward to new meetings coming into our community for people to understand that, oh man, you are a great community in which to host a meeting in. So fun day.
0: That's great. And you know, I know there's probably some perception from folks out there that Manhattan's so far away. It's two. It's really only two hours away, uh, and maybe trying to bridge that gap. I I imagine that's a big hurdle for you.
2: Absolutely, and that was why we chose to go to the Kansas City area. We have marketed into that area quite a bit, and um, we were. I'm, I'm always amazed. I'd had previously, prior to the event, a conversation with a meeting planner that, believe it or not, has not been to Manhattan, Kansas. The furthest west that they had been was Lawrence. And so, uh, again, just to encourage people to get out to see what is available across the state of Kansas. You know, uh, certainly we want Manhattan to be their meeting of choice, but Salina, Wichita, Garden City, Hayes all have great meeting venues that uh, uh, Kansas is a great place to enjoy. And certainly we want them to choose Manhattan. But that was the reason we went into the Kansas City area was so that we could help tell that story that the road doesn't stop at Lawrence. It comes on further west.
0: Well, coming up, uh, we're getting into April now as uh, it's already here. uh, And there's lots of fun events coming up in Manhattan. Oh,
2: my goodness. There are showers of activities that are going (laughs) on. Brandon, you knew that it wouldn't be a good day if I didn't just uh, tag on to the April showers, right <laughs> that's right <laughs> but tonight even if the fun begins and again I encourage our listeners to please go to our website visit Manhattan Kansas visit manhattanks.org that you're going to see all there is for you to do but truly the month of April, we have a lot to celebrate. We are really truly being showered with a lot of activity and this evening, kicks it off. Uh, Logan Mize is going to be at the Hat. Uh, If you enjoy country music, and and Logan is a Kansan, and so encourage you to uh, enjoy that concert. Manhattan Art Center has Madagascar Junior that is being uh, performed there, as well as if maybe you don't want to go to a larger uh, event, uh, Flight Crew Coffee, which is down on Points Avenue. They also are having live music this evening. So um, then on uh, Saturday, April the 2nd, we've got the Aggieville Showdown in Aggieville, and so uh, there'll be some um, cattle that will be down there, and it's a fun, unique event uh, that uh, we think it is just, uh, it makes Manhattan, again, unique and special when you see the excitement that happens throughout our community But, boy, then when we turn the calendar and uh, look at the week of the 5th through the 9th, there's a lot going on. And certainly earlier this week, Linda Duke was on and was talking about all of the activities that are happening at the beach. As the beach has been a part of our community for 25 years, it's important for us to celebrate and support their activities as well. But um, 10 years ago, we cut the ribbon for the Flint Hills Discovery Center to open. And so on the 9th, we are going to be celebrating uh, the Friends of the Flint Hills with the Discovery Center, acknowledging Bruce Sneed and his efforts that he has uh, done to make a difference in um, making the Flint Hills Discovery Center Become a reality with that redevelopment that uh, took place, in which the Discovery Center it was a very important part of, and certainly that has been a real champion to tell the story of the Flint Hills. So. Also on the 9th is a KSU open house that brings in a lot of potential visitors and future students into our community. So that's always fun. We also have a McCain performance. I am so thrilled that McCain is back. And um, we've got a great event that you can uh, go to with 50 years of rock and roll. So uh, some of those songs, it's hard for me to imagine that that was 50 years ago. But uh, uh, that's a great experience for, for all of us to enjoy And then, don't uh, forget the Sunset Zoo. Sunset Zoo will have the grand opening of the Expedition Asia. Um, And if you... uh, I encourage our listeners to go. The Sunset Zoo is a great place for you to go and just experience... Uh, outdoors the beauty of the outdoors but now with the expedition asia you're going to be able to have a unique view of the tigers the sloth bears the amur lef- leopards it's truly an awesome experience and so uh, that's the grand opening of of that expedition so um we we encourage our listeners to do that
0: all right that's going to be really cool there's lots to do and see and you know, I've been talking to our, our news people here, like, just get ready. April's going to be a busy month.
2: It isn't. It's a really busy month. And again, as I talked a little bit about, it's also that of celebrating milestones. April 14th is actually the, the day that the Discovery Center will be doing their 10th year celebration. So there will be a lot of fun things uh, that will be taking place then. Certainly Easter weekend, uh, there are Easter egg hunts that will be throughout the town for children of all ages. So again, go to our, our website for that. And then wrapping up the month of April, we've got running races. We've got a big one. Brandon, I want to know how people do this. There's going to be a Flint Hills 50 and Marathon. Uh, that's not 50 years of age. That's 50 miles that, oh my gosh. <laughs> that you could run. Don't know. Uh, we've also got a parade on the 23rd. We've got the Little Apple Pride uh, Parade and Festival. Uh, our neighboring community, Wamego, has the Tulip Festival on the 23rd of April, as well as uh, Wildwood Adventure Park will be hosting uh, the Youth Outdoor Adventure Challenge for for uh, young folks. So. I encourage you to be a tourist in our own hometown, uh, to tell others, check out our website. Which activity do you want to be a part with as we shower you with plenty of activity to get out and do?
0: All right. Going to be a lot of fun. Karen, it's always good to talk with you, and I hope you have a good weekend.
2: Thank you, Brandon. You too.
0: Back with you here on In Focus. (laughs) Real quickly, I got an update here about that accident over at Highway 24 and Excel Road. Looks like they have cleared that scene, so uh, traffic should be moving a little bit quicker through there if you're going eastbound out of Manhattan. Uh, Of course, that's already a congested area with all the construction going in, so anytime you have traffic accidents, that just adds to it. So uh, good to see that moving again. We are back here in studio uh, with the mayor of Riley joining us here today, Tim Sharp. Morning, Brandon. Good to see you again. Good to see you. I think
3: we were talking here before we went on the air. I think it was before the pandemic started last time I was in studio here. So it's been a while.
0: Yeah. I bump into you every once in a while in the community. I, I think I saw you at Dennis Butler's retirement right. last time. So Right. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, we love getting to get some updates here on what's going on around the region here. And uh what's going on right now in Riley at the moment?
3: Well, I, uh, first off, I wanted to take a minute to um, – tell thank you to to all of our city employees they they do a great job our little town uh, we've got two people in the clerk's office and we have three people out in the field now plus plus our uh, uh, summer help in the swimming pool and everything and that's that's more of a community thing than it is a city thing because we we draw people around for quite a ways uh, come to swim lessons and and come to play in the pool uh, in the heat heat of the summer place to cool off so um it's it's great that we've got good people in place and and they do a good job and take take good care of the citizens up there so i'll tell them thank you
0: absolutely well and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of news going on here regarding to north county um i guess probably the biggest thing since we last spoke was um the ambulance getting approved up there the station
3: exactly uh Probably one of the things I talked about last time I was on here, Greg McKinley and I, Greg was on city council at the time, and we'd been in front of the county commission a couple different times and and uh, was was talking about trying to get a ambulance up north county full time and and when Greg ran for county commissioner, that was one of the things he was was uh, high on his priority list and and uh, uh, we had a they had a, a meeting up North County. Uh, next day they voted on it and and it was a three zero vote so um, that was that was good you know everybody's behind it uh, the EMS staff was there that night and they were all seemed very much behind it and they were working on making good plans to to make this successful so um, I, I think it'll be a great benefit to the people of North County.
0: I know there was some talk about where the location should go and they've they've settled on that it sounds like it's going to be in Leonardville. Um, I guess it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, just as long as it's up there.
3: Well, yeah, it's 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 a it's a balance of you know what's what's going to be the most people, um, and that kind of gets it. The, the population centers up there: Riley, Leonardville. Uh, 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 oh gosh, what's the one down by the lake? Uh, Randolph. Well, Randolph and and south of there at. Uh, uh, University Park. Okay, yeah. There's quite a few people there and, and down, along the, down along the lake there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of ag and it can go a long ways north from Winterville yet and still be in Raleigh County. So there's still some people that are quite a ways out from, from the ambulance, but it's it's 20 minutes closer or 25 minutes closer than it was. And uh, hopefully those guys that are working up there and gals uh, will get to know the, the roads and stuff up that way better. Because uh, some not not uh, even though it's all laid out in the square grid, not all of those are all weather roads. So uh, it's it's helpful to know the know the area.
0: I'm curious if uh, something like that. Uh, I, I know it's more of a service, but can that spur economic development in that area?
3: I w- I would think so. Uh, if you know it's it goes along with schools and good roads and and uh, quality water in your town and all that. That's going to draw people. Uh, if you have uh, limitations in any one of those areas, people are going to shy away. So uh, I think it. I think it'll be a, a good thing for for our community.
0: All right, very good. Um, there's a lot going on as as far as uh, infrastructure in your city, including a big uh, sewer project. It looks like.
3: Yeah, we're just wrapping up. We we got a, a grant through uh, uh, CDBG, I believe, for for that. Um, for about $600,000, which was not quite half of the project, uh, relining all the sewer pipes. Uh, we have fairly new ponds. They're about 15 years old, and they're size wise for the town. We're undersized, you know, for the town, yet the, the ponds are still oversized. So we were having some difficulties with uh, meeting standards as it was leaving, and we finally figured out that it had a lot of water coming into the system. Um, It was designed to have about 125,000 gallons a day. Uh, We pump about 80,000 gallons of clean water a day, so theoretically it's less than that that's going out there, but there was days when we were pumping a million gallons of water into our sewer ponds and um, it just doesn't give it enough time in there to to do what it needs to do to get everything broken down. So we had to go in and reline pipes to to stop that infiltration from coming in there. We'd been doing sections of town as we could every year, but it was going to be a long time before we got done. So being able to get this grant and get it all done at once, and get that that uh, flow of water stopped, and and therefore all the water going downstream, uh, you know, was in better shape. And that's what that's what the whole goal was of that. So
0: very good. Well, um, and necessary work, but and I know that's. Complicated. Does that involve any road closures or anything?
3: Um, very limited. Most of it was uh, cured in place pipes so they go in through manholes um, and uh, put down uh, a liner and then they, they cure the pipe in place and uh, then they send robots down into the line and cut out all the services and stuff and, and then we also had them grout where the, where the private services come into the city line uh... they can they could do a lot of that from uh... with their with their robots so uh... we weren't able to do every service but but a lot of them that that's another place where water can come into the system is where that connection is between the private lines and the city lines so we wanted to get that that grounded as well relined a bunch of our our, uh, manholes uh, they're concrete, most of them. Some there's some of the old ones that were brick, so those all get lined so they don't let water in, you know, between between them. So,
0: all right. Well, there's uh, uh, of course a lot of communities have gotten the uh, funds from the government, the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, as far as that's concerned, looks like those haven't been appropriated yet for you guys.
3: We we haven't. Uh, we've we've kicked around a lot of ideas. Uh, at first, we the the rules were uh very vague um and now that's it's, it's kind of become that you can almost put it in your uh first for small cities anyway, you can almost just put it in our general fund and spend it but we're we're still going to try to keep it with with what the uh the original thought of it was it's going to go for infrastructure important things uh we've got six wells city city water wells we just rehabbed one uh well over the last two years is a little bit of a process. And uh, so we got five more to do, Uh, we'll probably be working on those and and getting all the the electrical up there up to shape uh, with that. Uh, Just had an email this morning, we have uh, five lift stations for our sewer in town and and, uh, each one of those has two pumps in it and one of them had a pump go down and they're not cheap so that may be where some of it goes to, we'll see how that all works out. But uh, uh, there again, it's still infrastructure and, and important things. And and my mantra as as mayor has always been: you, you got to figure out what your priorities are. And it's been get the dirty water out, get clean water in, and and then if we what we got left, it's uh, streets and pools. Kind of the the they tie for number three. And mm-hmm. and uh, some some people would like me to raise streets up a lot lot higher, but. Uh, um, they're they're all good good enough so, and we've got a new new city employee now so I'm I'm hoping we can get we've they've already done a lot more last fall, uh, because of, you know the things that they have to do every day running the wells and checking on checking this and checking that it's it's hard to do maintenance so with the third guy on there he can he can concentrate on doing maintenance and not doing just the the daily
0: routine things. Yeah, let's talk about some of the positions you filled. You got a a few of them that have you filled recently.
3: Um well we pools getting don't get in pool season and uh they're actually working on our pool right now, getting it sandblasted and and repainted. The paint was getting bad on it and and um we spent a lot on it a few years ago replumbing. They'd take the whole decking up and replumb the whole thing several years ago and that was that was a pretty expensive process but uh now getting them looking looking better and and uh, we've got got our guards hired and our manager hired for the year so we're in pretty good shape there um thank thanks to all them that are uh, returning and and the new ones that are coming on so appreciate that
0: yeah it's good to have that and you guys were popular here when uh Manhattan probably had its closed pools so yeah good good to have and um we're probably be remiss if we didn't mention citywide cleanup coming up
3: that's uh coming up on april 25th and 26th uh we don't take electronics we don't take tires but pretty much anything else you've got uh watch our our uh, city facebook page which uh if you don't have it saved already uh, you can go in and search at city dot of dot riley kansas and kansas is all spelled out um, and that'll get you to this to the city's Facebook page and they're pretty active on there keeping the information out uh, in the community uh, about what's going on uh, different things with the city and and with pool and and the, a lot of times they'll have link with the, the pride committee um, They got several things coming up um, well Ongoing is that we have a community garden there in town. The city provides water for it. So uh, I don't know that the garden if the garden spaces cost a little something, but it's if it is it's very minimal Um, And like I said the city provides the water for it and if you get on the City Pride page, which on Facebook you you search for at Riley KS Pride all one word and you'll you'll get uh, Riley Pride then Is how it shows up, but if you're searching for that, it's easier to go with it at at Riley KS Pride. And get all their information. Um, Citywide garage sales are going to be June 3rd through 5th, which is a little later than they they typically do. But there's a Highway 24 uh, yard sales going on all the way across Kansas on those days, and so they decided to fit it in with, with those. So...
0: All right, lots going on here. I'm getting short on time because I got to get to my next segment here. But uh, Tim, we'll we'll bring you back on here maybe uh, next month and, and preview some stuff coming up here in the summertime. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Brandon. Tim Sharp, Mayor of Riley, joining us here on In Focus, and we'll uh, continue on here in a moment on News Radio KMAN.
4: All right, welcome into In Focus here, News Radio KMAN. Nick McNamara in the studio, and I have with me two guests, one from the Riley County Health Department, one from the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition. From the Health Department, we have Director Julie Gibbs on the line. Julie, thanks for taking the time to meet with us.
5: Thank you for having me.
4: And we also have from the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition, as I mentioned, Chair Deb Nuss. Thank you for joining me.
6: I'm happy to be here, Nick. Good to talk to you.
4: It's always a pleasure. And today we're going to be talking about the 2022 Riley County Community Health Improvement Plan and doing some background research into this. I understand this is something that comes up maybe every six or so years. And I'm curious, um, sort of some of, the, some of the planning going into this and uh, some of the meetings coming up as well.
5: Yeah, so the Community Health Improvement Plan or better known to us as the CHIP. We use a lot of acronyms in public health. Um, It is the roadmap for improving the public health system performance, improving population health and keeping community health planning visible to local decision makers and the community. So it lays out a long term strategic effort to address public health issues based on the community needs assessment. Um, So in short, it is um, a roadmap of where um, our strengths are in the community and also where our weaknesses are really looks at our gaps in our community as far as public health. Um, And that takes a lot of factors into consideration, but again, that makes it visible um, for members of our community. And I know Deb has a lot of history on the chip, so I'll let her kind of tell a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, Deb, tell us a little bit about maybe some of the history. I know there was a report that was put out maybe in 2017, um, but talk a little bit about how all of this culminated and maybe some of the uh, planning going into this specific year.
6: Sure. Well, just... Just so the public is aware, so the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition was the entity that was actually responsible for the 2020 comprehensive Riley County community needs assessment. And that information along with um, a lot of secondary data that's available about community health and individual health in our community um, is is being used as in the basis for these community input meetings where we're really asking the public um, to React to the results of the needs assessment. React to the results of those um, secondary data sets, and to tell us whether they agree or disagree with what they are hearing or, or being or, or reading, and then um, if if they disagree, to tell us why, basically. And then the ultimate goal is for them to help us then prioritize those things that they want us to work on as a community over the next three to five years to see if we can actually make a change in community health. And and when I talk about community health, I'm talking about individual health and community health, both because because they are related. Um, You know, we went through this process about five years ago. Um, The health department um, did a CHIP process then and the wellness coalition actually then was the entity that was responsible for implementing the priorities that came out of that community health improvement process so for the past five years we've had work groups that were focused on mental health nutrition active transportation um, access and coordination of services and we have a lot to show for the work that has happened over the last five years Um, we have the establishment of the food and farm council who's working on the master food plan right now. Uh, The crisis stabilization unit opened at Pawnee Mental Health Services. The Flint Hills Wellness Coalition sponsors what's called a community care team that works to make sure that um, vulnerable individuals in our community have their needs met, either health needs or social service needs. And then we work um, closely with the city of Manhattan and the Metropolitan Planning Organization on, Um, public works issues related to pedestrian and bicycle access. So we as the coalition um, are very interested in this community health improvement plan process because we wanna be able then to do what the community wants over the next three to five years to make additional improvements going forward. I, I think the importance of this process is that we wanna hear from all voices we don't want it to be just the usual suspects that go to community meetings. Um, we want to hear from people at the neighborhood level. We want to hear from retired people. We want to hear from families with the young children. Um, we want to hear from people that are disenfranchised, basically. Uh, the plan is only going to be as good as the input that we receive from the community.
4: And you talk about reaching different communities and and perhaps maybe different uh, individuals than are present at city commission meetings or other public meetings. And this is really reflected in this upcoming meeting on the 1st on Friday, uh, given that it's going to be conducted in Spanish.
5: Yes, we're very happy to. We have an interpreter on staff who's able to help us with this. And so this is for our Spanish speaking community um, on the 1st. That is from 630 until 8 p.m. Uh, we tried to make that um, for individuals who work, so um, make that time available for individuals who, who are working. Um, so again, that is on the 1st from 6.30 until 8 p.m., and that is a Spanish speak- for the Spanish-speaking community, and that is via Zoom.
4: Yeah, and we'll go ahead and add that link into the body of the text for this post, for those of you who are perhaps consuming this not live on air. And there's also a host of meetings beyond this as well. So if you're if you're looking for um, some of these meetings in English as well, there's numerous of them coming up later in April as well. Starting on the fifth, there's a, a host of them throughout that week.
5: Absolutely. We tried to um, we reached out to many people in the community. So not just here in Manhattan, but we do have one coming up in, on the fifth in Ogden. That's at the Ogden Community Center. And that will be from six until seven thirty PM. Again, for those people that work, we've made it <clears throat> so they can get to that in the evening. Um, And then we have another one coming up on the 7th, that same week, and that will be via Zoom, hosted by Black Lives Matter of MHK, uh, and again in the evening from 7 p.m. until 8.30. But yeah, we have a whole list of those um, community meetings and we're really encouraging people to get out and and try to at least come to one of those meetings. Your input is very valuable to this process. So if you'd like to look for a a list of of those meetings, again, you mentioned that you put that link out, but it's datacounts.net. Um, forward slash CHIP, and that stands for the Community Health Improvement Plan.
4: As you enter this year's process, um, what are maybe some of the things you're noticing or hearing about that maybe differ a little bit from prior years? Um, Are you noticing any, you've talked about maybe some of the progress that has been uh, worked on from the Wellness Coalition perspective in particular, but Are some of the perhaps issues and gaps noticed in the 2017 report um, coming up again? Or uh, are they just perhaps in a little bit of a different way coming up?
6: Well, in terms of the 2020 Comprehensive Raleigh County Community Needs Assessment, um, some of the same issues did come up. But the thing that we have to remember is that that needs assessment was completed right before the pandemic started. And so now, everything that we talk about, um, we have to talk about in light of what's happened the past two years with the pandemic. And, you know, for, from my perspective, based on my observations and based on what I've seen go on, go, going on in the community, I think we can take those um, priorities out that, that came out of that needs assessment and safely say that they've just been amplified because of the pandemic. Um, we know food insecurity is on the rise because of the pandemic. We know that housing insecurity is on the rise because of the pandemic. Um, we know um, uh, mental health issues um, are a greater concern because of the pandemic. So, so while the needs assessment itself isn't telling us that, I think we all know it um, because of what we see going on in the community. So I think the priorities um, are probably accurate it's just the magnitude of the priorities and then what we're going to need to do as a community to address the issues.
4: Yeah, and and this data, especially, you know when you look at data and perhaps, num- perhaps in numbers from surveys, it can be very different in terms of the impact and and just the amount of richness you get as when you have these conversations. These can add a lot more context and a lot more depth to the the issues you're identifying.
6: Absolutely. And and it's also, um, you know, when when people can tell their personal stories, when they can personalize it, when they can tell you specifically what kind of impact um, things are having on them, um, it it does put those numbers in 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 quite a different context. And that's why it's so important that we hear from a variety of people across the community. You know, it's too easy for those of us that see each other all the time to get into that group think mentality. Um, and so we do need to hear from voices that, that we typically don't hear from. And, and that's hard sometimes um, because people are maybe not confident enough to um, voice their concerns or not. Um, they, they, just, they just feel like what they have to say doesn't matter, but I can assure them that it does matter in this, in this situation.
4: If people are interested again in in getting involved, coming out to one of these meetings, or just learning more about the process, the plan, and what exactly is being done, where's a great place to go and get more information or to reach out and just talk to someone as well? Because I know sometimes the static presentation of information doesn't really meet people's needs either.
5: Yeah. So we have a staff member, Shanika Rose. She's our health educator and accreditation specialist here at the health department. And she's kind of leading, helping to lead this process. So She would be your contact. You can email her at srose at rileycountyks.gov or give her a call at 785-776-4779. And she's at extension 7650.
4: All right. And as a reminder, the meeting on Friday is coming up at 6.30 p.m. That's on Zoom. We'll include a link to the uh, overall website where you can find that information as well. That's going to be strictly Spanish speaking um, next week, April 5th in Ogden, BLM MHK on April 7th online as well, and Leonardville on April 12th, as well as Northview April 12th, and a few more coming after that. Julie, Deb, thank you so much for the time. Thank
6: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was good to see you, Nick.